I'm Cy Musiker. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is Curtain Call. We're back, highlighting the most exciting shows from Reno to Davis. Anything that warms us up as we wait for spring, a real spring this time. And this month, the thrills include a comedy about toxic masculinity, a pianist who champions musical underdogs, and the business of art. We're jumping ahead on the calendar first, though, to put the spotlight on Canadian singer-songwriter Sarah Harmer. If I was a crow, I'd fly the roads that wind between these places Over back lanes and weathered veins where creeks have left their traces Fruit trees planted long ago still bloom every other season fence won't keep the rabbits out the gates always open for some damn reason Sarah Harmer off her latest album from 2020. She doesn't record very often, but she gets such a rich sound on these albums, and her songs seem both ordinary. They're just details of a day or a feeling, but they're also so lyrical. Just great folk songs with a bit of rock and roll for punch. Sarah Harmer doesn't tour much, so take advantage. She'll be at Harlow's Starlet Room March 11th. The arts in Nevada County generated $66 million of economic activity in 2022. Not bad for a rural county with just 100,000 residents. That number comes from the Nevada County Arts Council, which is sponsoring its annual symposium on the business of art in Nevada County. The event is a chance for artists and arts presenters to learn new skills, tap resources, and boost their spirits at a time when artists are still trying to recover from the shutdown years of the COVID pandemic. It's left quite a hangover. We invited Heather Heckler, the council's new program director, to KVMR to preview the symposium workshops and the numbers. So, Heather, what is the state of financial health for uh, Nevada County artists and presenters? You know, it's been a long recovery for artists and arts organization after the COVID-19 pandemic. It's really important, actually, that all of us in the community really get out and support our arts organizations. They're struggling to rebound. You know, I think we all got really used to staying at home and watching television and cozying up and are not so much going out anymore like, like we used to. But one of the things we know from our recent arts and economic prosperity study based on 2022 data is that the arts are really important to the economy here in Nevada County. It's a $66 million industry. It brings in money from outside of the region to our local businesses, to our restaurants, to our hotels, and to our arts organizations and to our artists. So like you said, a good chunk of the audience that is generating the revenue for Nevada County they're from out of the area. So it seems that people do love to come here for our music festivals and our other events and our art shows. So what's the attraction? What's so special about Nevada County art? Yeah, well, I probably don't have to tell you, but, um, you know, because those of us who live here understand, like, this is such a special community. But one of the things that's a real indicator of that is that we here in Nevada County have two state-designated cultural districts. So both our Grass Valley Nevada City Cultural District and our Truckee Cultural district, two of only 14 throughout the entire state. What that really says is this area is a concentration of arts and culture. We have amazing cultural producers here. We have amazing arts organizations. And people are drawn here, I think, because they know that when they come to Nevada County, they're going to see really high quality, world-class 
arts, whether it's a concert or a play or film festival. You know, we have two amazing film festivals that happen in this community. And you can just see that it's a, it's a community that supports creativity and culture. At the Business of Art Symposium, you're on a panel, Heather, talking about all the free services and resources available for local artists. Tell us about some of those freebies. As part of the cultural districts, actually, we've done this amazing thing at the Arts Council where we've mapped hundreds of cultural assets in the community. So an artist directory that artists themselves can go into and add their own um, you know, themselves to the directory and really point people towards their work. Uh, we have a arts an arts and culture calendar that we maintain so that we can promote them. We do a lot of promotion of the local arts and culture scene, particularly on our social media accounts, so Facebook and Instagram. And we have uh, a newsletter that we do with our California Cultural Districts and our Grass Valley Nevada City Cultural District to really promote arts and culture happenings in Nevada County. So we also currently are working with the state of California to do the Upstate California Creative Corps. So this is a really, really cool program that the state started last year to actually give artists money to work on projects that impact you know, a lot of the social issues that we're all seeing. So whether it's something about climate change or getting involved in local government, health, voting, we know that similar to the WPA, that artists can have an impact there in telling those stories. And central to our role as the Arts Council is really making sure that there are professional development opportunities for artists. So we will have workshops on marketing and media, um, business planning. We have a really cool guy coming to talk about taxes for artists. Le legal advice, networking, you know, media. How do you sell things online? We have a great keynote speaker, Dr. Tasha Golden, who's the director of research at the International Arts and Mind Lab at Johns Hopkins. And she will be talking to our audience about your health, your business, and your community. Not only building a great business, but how does that impact you socially, emotionally, and how can you how can you stay healthy while doing this work? I think that's a lot of it is, especially coming out of the pandemic, when venues closed, arts, artists didn't have places to show their work. It's very difficult to rebound from that. And I think a lot of us took that on personally. So we've been hearing from a number of arts presenters that audiences are staying home more, mm -hmm. and when they do go out, they're less likely to try something new or experimental. They want something familiar. Um, how will the symposium help presenters get people back out to the venues? Yeah, the symposium actually is just a really amazing opportunity to learn everything that's going on in the in the arts space in Nevada County and throughout the state. What it really is is professional development for our creative community. It's really about bringing thought leaders and influencers from the field to talk about and work through things like what are the trends in this field? Um, one of the things that we need to do is challenge ourselves to get out there, try something new. It's always really nice to go to the thing you know is going to be great. But I, especially since I've started this job, it's really been great to get out there and see all the, you know, things I wouldn't necessarily go to. Mm -hmm. And I have come back so inspired. And so I'm challenging your listeners also to go to our community arts calendar, choose something you wouldn't necessarily go to normally and try it. Heather Heckler is Program Director for the Nevada County Arts Council. The Business of Arts Symposium is March 16th on the Sierra College campus in Grass Valley, postponed from March 2nd because of the weekend storm.
country singer and songwriter Brittany Spencer. We teased her show last month. I Got Time, the song we're listening to, is just a kick. And she also sings about the disappointments of life with the same emotion and heart. Spencer has a brand new album out called My Stupid Life. I love that title. (laughs) Country music doesn't allow much space for women or black artists or ones with lots of curves, but we hope it makes room for Brittany Spencer. Brittany Spencer plays the Crystal Bay Casino on Lake Tahoe March 8th and 9th. Definitely worth a drive. We're jumping around the calendar as we preview performances in March because our show just wouldn't flow right if we didn't. Yeah, so back to March 2nd now for this next performer. Pianist Lara Downs, she plays the classics. We're listening now to her play a piece by Franz Schubert, and Beethoven is on the program for her upcoming show in Davis. But the concert will also feature H.T. Burley, the early 20th century black composer of so many songs, including My Lord, What a Morning, and Downs recently recorded a chart-topping album of rags and songs by Scott Joplin. Laura Downs' upcoming concert is called Here on Earth, a collaboration with the Moreau Quartet, playing musical depictions of planet Earth with selections from Darius Mio, plus the very much alive Brazilian-American composer Clarice Assad and San Francisco's Jake Hagee. We talked to Downs recently via Zoom and asked how the collaboration began. We were all introduced by a mutual friend who lives in Austin, Texas, where the quartet is based. And we really just took our time to get to know each other and sort of examine our respective interests and curiosities. And one of my first ideas was to take a look at the creation of the world by Dalias Mio, which is a piece that turned 100 last year. And I thought it was really interesting to dig into the inspiration for the piece and the context of the time. Um, but it's been really fun putting the music together. And Jake Hagee is best known for his operas, Dead Man Walking and Moby Dick among them. But you're doing a piece of his for piano and string quartet called Earthrise. Tell us about that piece. Yeah, so that piece was actually written for the Miro Quartet um, some years ago, and it's inspired by that iconic photo of the Earth that was taken from lunar orbit in 1968.
and it's part of this uh, approach to looking at the environment and human impact on the earth. Is there a message? What are you trying to tell us? There are intentionally a lot of different perspectives in this program. There's just kind of celebrating the beauties and the miracles around us. I was driving home from Carmel yesterday morning and we drove under this huge rainbow. And every time I see a rainbow, I feel like I'm four years old again. You know, there's that. There's just this wonder that all of these composers from Haydn and Beethoven on down, this this wonder that I think we never really lose about this planet that shelters us. You've often championed the work of women and people of color, composers who've been overlooked. How did you come to this approach to music in a field that is so dominated by white men? Well, I just think it shouldn't be dominated by white men. <laughs> and it especially shouldn't be dominated by dead white men. Right? I think it's much more interesting when it includes all of the stories and all the voices of everyone who's who has, in fact, created it. You know, for me, growing up, I started piano by the time I was four. And I fell in love with this music and... I did not see myself reflected in it at all, except for the fact that I was good at playing it. And I was fine with that for a very long time. And then I really wasn't fine with it anymore. And it, you know, just felt sort of exhausting to feel so other in a space that also felt so much like my home. And so when I made my initial discoveries that yes, there had been women who had written this music. Yes, there had been people who were brown like me who had written this music. I felt my place in this history just felt like a very different thing. And at first, you know, that was just sort of joyful on a personal level, but I immediately understood how important it was for me to share this information because of, you know, who has not historically been invited into this space. It's been about 20 years now that I've been working really hard at this. And I, I do think that it's changing and that it's becoming a fuller space more alive space. Yeah, you're the daughter of a white Jewish woman and a Jamaican-born man who converted to mm -hmm. Judaism. And I believe you were bat mitzvah at Temple Emmanuel in San Francisco, mm -hmm. where I got married, by the way. So how, how does that background affect the choices you make? I think we are all many things. My parents brought together two very disparate histories at the same time, I think as I've grown up, I've understood the things that connected them. Different stories of migration, but stories of migration nevertheless, and a common purpose, which was to make a better future for their girls. Being many different things also encourages you look for points of connection. You know, I have had interactions with listeners, with audiences around topics that are very difficult, but when you frame them in the context of music, then people can hear, they can listen. And I'm talking especially about, you know, our country in the last however many years it is now, since there's been so much division and so much suspicion and so much feeling like, you know, we don't understand the other side. And so, you know, bringing this music that does reflect different histories, but does come together in points. It's been very powerful and it's really given me a lot of conviction that this is important work. Another new project is a reinterpretation of the work of a great Jewish American composer, George Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, arranged by the Puerto Rican composer Edmar Colon. And you've got the great drummer John Santos on the recording. How does that fit your musical mission? 
Well, you know, it's about avoiding the trap of just calling things canonical and confining them to the past. Rhapsody in Blue just had its 100th birthday. And so I, I just really had to sit down with myself and think about what the Rhapsody means to me and what it's always meant to me, aside from the really great tunes, is the vision that Gershwin expressed when he described his inspiration for the piece. He called it his vision of the musical kaleidoscope of America. And he's talking about the melting pot and he's talking about, you know, this time in America when things were changing so fast and people were encountering each other for the first time and again hearing each other listening to each other and and then the more I started learning about 1924 the more I realized that he was living in a time very much like ours when all of the things that he's celebrating in this piece were very much under threat he mentioned he was a Jewish American composer he was a first generation American composer and in 1924 there was legislation passed that was directly targeting you know his parents and everyone um, who had come from their part of the world and so for him to be taking this stand to make be making this expression of celebration of his country for me it's really meaningful so you seem to have maybe perfected the art of being in more than one place at a time um, <laughs> how do you keep up with all of this do you ever sleep <laughs> I actually don't sleep very much and I have a really great team that keeps my calendar up to date so I know where I'm supposed to go and what I'm supposed to do there um, you're catching me on one of like five days I think in total that I'm home this month I was in North Carolina a week or so ago doing a project with the poet Rita Dove um, it's really it's really fun Sacramento resident Laura Downs. She and the Moreau Quartet do a show called Here on Earth at the Mondavi Center March 2nd, tomorrow night. You can also hear Laura and her smart musical programming every evening, Monday through Friday on KDFC. Is it okay to talk about another radio station? Uh, I think it's sort of public radio. St. Patrick's Day is March 17th, one of those days where everyone claims to like green beer and coal cannon. Well, I, I like coal cannon. I'm not sure about Joyce, actually. Uh, that's cabbage, by the way, with mashed potatoes all cooked together and it's great and Thank it's you. a it's a good <laughs> excuse to listen to music by this woman father father build me a boat that o'er the ocean wide i might float and every ship we should chance to meet i will inquire of my william sweet we had not sailed but half an hour when we were met with a man oh captain captain pray tell me true does my boy william say does my boy william sail on board 
the Irish musician Nuala Kennedy off her latest album. Kennedy plays the flute, and as you can hear, she just sings like an angel. Nuala Kennedy is touring with two equally talented musicians, Eamon O'Leary and Kevin Burke. They're at the Chico Women's Club March 15th, and then at the Sophia in Sacramento March 16th. And did we mention that Grass Valley celebrates St. Piran's Day tomorrow, Saturday, March 2nd on the Mill Street Plaza. It's going to be snowing, probably, so a messy day for a pasty tasting contest and a pasty tossing contest, though the pasties that get tossed are ones filled with dog food. Uh, I know I'm going to bring my dog, Finn, and he's going to clean up. Yeah, that's an Irish name. I don't know if the Cornish will allow for that. Well, this is a grand way to celebrate the heritage of the region's Cornish miners. The party starts at 9.30 a.m. Bring your umbrellas. David Mamet based Glengarry Glen Ross on his own work experience as a realtor. The 1984 play is about a few days in the lives of four Chicago real estate agents, con artists willing to do anything to cheat anyone to make a sale and keep their jobs. Mamet sets the four against each other in a battle of toxic masculinity, one of Mamet's favorite subjects. I need your help. I can't do it, Shelley. Why? The leads are assigned randomly. Bull- you assign them. What do you tell Apart from the top men on the contest board. Then put me on the board. You start closing again, you'll be on the board. I can't close these leads, John. No one can. It's a joke. John, look, just give me a hot lead. Just give me two of the premium leads as a test, all right? As a a test, I promise you. I can't do it, Shell. I'll give you 10%. Micah Cohn and T.E. Wolf in a scene from Glengarry Glen Ross in a Sierra Stages production directed by Scott Gilbert, who says making good theater sometimes takes the same cutthroat approach as practiced by the agents in Glengarry. I think a lot about doing theater to win. And what you're winning isn't tangible like in sports where you know who won at the end of the game. You're trying to win audience favor or you're trying to win some sort of meaning. But I still want to win. Gilbert says he loves the Baroque language of the play, the way Mamet's dialogue is always about two or three ideas at once. And Gilbert says Glengarry is surprisingly funny. I don't think people think of it as a comedy, but there's some really ridiculous, hilarious things. You don't want to sit there for two hours and just contemplate how awful people are. I think this play is a bit of a model for peak TV, Sopranos, Breaking Bad, kind of the bad guy is the hero. And like those things, it's frequently very funny. Of my end, what I close. And what if you don't close? I will close. What if you don't close? I will close. What if you don't? Then I'm f***ed. You see? Then it's my job. That's what I'm telling you. I will close. John, John, 10%. I can get hot. You know that Not I Not lately, you can't. F*** that. That's defeatist. F*** it. Get on my side. Go with me. Let's do something. You want to run this office? Run it. 20%. A scene from David Mamet's play, Glengarry, Glen Ross, directed by Scott Gilbert for Sierra Stages and featuring Micah Cohn, T.E. Wolf, John Gardner, Paul Mixon, Calum Grant, and Harrison McCormick. It's interesting, at least for me, to have seen a play shortly after it debuted and then to experience it decades later when it's become a period piece. I'm pretty sure it's Mamet's way with words that continues to attract our best actors to Glengarry Glen Ross because it's such dark material. And when you say Baroque, 
language side? Do you mean the frequent use of the <laughs> F word? It's yeah. worth a warning to people who are sensitive to such things. Okay, there's your trigger warning. There's bad language ahead if you go. Uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross runs March 7th through the 30th at the Nevada Theater. Something rockin' now. That's guitarist Helena Strait, bassist Michaela Oppenheimer, and drummer and vocalist Stella Wave. They are Hello Mary. And there's just so much grit here, and they sound like nobody else. Did you think we never played rock on this show? <laughs> Only when it's this good. Yeah, well, it is that good. Hello Mary plays Harlow's Starlet Room March 20th, and then they're at the Holland Project in Reno on March 21st. Vendra Banhart calls that track, Fireflies, a song about regret and the temporal nature of phenomena. This ruminative Renaissance man of freak folk is the child of hippies, mostly raised by his mother in Venezuela. Like his middle name is Obi, as in Obi-Wan. <laughs> really? And he says he wrote the moody synth-driven songs on his latest release, Flying Wig, while dressed in a blue designer gown and a string of his grandmother's pearls. If I'm going to cry, he says, I want to do it in my best dress. He's going to get tear stains all over his dress. <laughs> uh, Devendra Banhart will take the stage at the Center for the Arts in Grass Valley on March 26th with the L.A. band Coral Web Opening. Another artist who plays with the fluidity of gender, along with lots of other subjects, is Alinda Segara, who records his Hooray for the Riff Raff. Two moons and a raging river Saddled up by the pineal fire Drove out to the edge of the Pueblo Bought a drum from a man who cried And the children's shoes on the ceiling And the way that you hold my hand And I yelled and I didn't know the reason But I knew that you'd understand Two weeks just to catch the buffalo Two weeks just to catch the buffalo some things take time, and they do. Some things take time, and they do. I hope our time will never go. I hope our time will never go. Two weeks just to catch the buffalo. Two weeks just to catch the buffalo. Will we go like the woolly mammoth or the deer dodo? Gone like A song off Hooray for the Riff Raff's new album, The Past is Still Alive. 
It's getting a ton of buzz, and for good reason. Sagara has demonstrated over nine albums that they are a masterful, even profound songwriter. Their lyrics tackle the big issues, climate change, gun violence, the fate of the marginalized, and make it all sound fresh and poignant. Yeah, I really like Hooray for the Riff Raff. On April 2nd, you can see the force of nature that is this band at a fairly intimate venue, Harlow's in Midtown, Sacramento. That's all we have time for. Darn. But we'll be back April 5th for another round of Curtain Call featuring more great upcoming live performances. I'm Cy Musiker. I'm Joyce Miller. And, and this, this is Curtain Call, Call, coming to you from, from KVMR-FM, KVMR, Nevada, Nevada City, KCPC, KCPC Camino. Camino.